you're here uh, to worship with us uh, this morning. Uh, we are wrapping up the series that we've been spending the last few weeks on called The Chance of a Lifetime. And we've been focused on the Sermon on the Mount, which is considered probably one of the greatest sermons ever given. And in the scriptures, uh, you can find so much of the way of following Jesus, the way of the kingdom. And Jesus came to basically show his disciples on this mountain what it actually meant to follow him. And the people that were with him had already decided, I want to leave uh, the comfort of my home and the familiarity, and I want to actually follow after you. But in this Sermon on the Mount, it's as if he really clarified, now you, you're following me, this, this is what it really means. And so for us today, we can look at this sermon and actually learn uh, a great deal about what is really valuable to God. What are the things that are really important? And how do we set our lives up to actually do the things that represent the person that, that we follow? And if you're a follower of Christ, we hope this series is kind of pinpointed and brought focus to, to what is really important. And if you're investigating, it's also a great opportunity to kind of learn what is this kingdom and what is Jesus and, and what does it actually mean to follow after him? And so just as a way of review, I thought I'd just spend like one minute looking at where we've been the last few weeks. And so we talked at the beginning of the series about uh, the chance of a lifetime that Jesus brings for peace. And he brings peace not only in our relationships that we can have uh, better relationships, but he actually brings peace and opportunity for peace in our relationship with God. Uh, despite our sin and despite the things that we've done, uh, if we decide to follow Jesus and actually give him our life, we can find peace with God himself. And when we do life his way, uh, we actually have the help we need to do that. And, and so that was the first week. We then talked about uh, the chance of a lifetime for impact, how Christ followers are really God's plan for spreading the kingdom that Jesus came to proclaim. Uh, his marketing and his campaign for growth was found in his followers. And so as this, his disciples were listening to what it meant to follow him, as they were listening to what it meant to be a part of this kingdom, he looked at them and said, hey, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. As you follow me and as you do this life, as I've told you how to live it, people are going to be amazed at the difference it makes to follow me. And so you're, you're my plan. And the same is true for Christ followers today. We're his plan to really show that, that Christ makes a difference in everyday life. Uh, we then talked about the chance of a lifetime for all you need and how we have the opportunity to walk with a God who actually cares about us and actually hears when we call out to him. And Jesus gave instruction on how to pray, how to communicate with this God that you're trying to follow. And when you think about that, that's crucial because without being able to actually communicate with God and having a relationship with him, we have no idea of this journey. We have no idea of where God is leading us. But through prayer and communicating with him and spending time with God, we have a sense of this, this is the path that we're being led down. Uh, we also talked about uh, for freedom and for focus and how really we have an opportunity to do life in a different way as we focus on the kingdom and, and not just ourselves. As we focus on financially, actually giving beyond ourselves and our own needs, but to something greater that spreads into eternity, we have an opportunity to actually use our resources in a way that, that makes a big difference. Today I want to wrap up talking about for the one and only... And Jesus wrapped up his sermon 
with a passage that I think provides even more clarity into this journey and this picture of following him that he'd been describing. And if, you, if you'd like, picture that, that we're on this journey and, and Jesus is on the sermon. He's telling people this is what the path looks like. And his followers have been on this path with him and they've kind of understood, okay, you help a lot of people, uh, you challenge people, you call things as it is. People have a picture of what sin is. People have a picture of what power is. People have a picture of what is important, what's not important. And they're getting just more and more clarity, more and more clarity, more and more clarity. And the people that were listening on the mountain as well were getting the sense of, okay, he's doing some miraculous signs, but he's also a great teacher. And he's teaching things that I've never heard before. And he's teaching things that we've never heard before. And there's a sense of his notoriety is is growing. And and this kingdom that he's talking about is is upside down. It it doesn't exactly make sense because people hadn't really experienced it before. And the scriptures that we're going to look at today are even more focused. And it's like Jesus draws a line. He says, okay, all the things that I've been talking to you about about what to value, about what not to value, and what's important, what's not important. I'm going to bring it even into more focus. I'm going to let you even know where this is going to take you. And so today's message is called For the One and Only. And it's a sense of when you decide to follow Christ, there is a line that's drawn in the sand. And in that line, you decide there are certain things that I'm going to do and there are certain things that I'm not going to do. There's certain things that I'm going to say. There's certain things I'm not going to say. Now, we all blow it, but Jesus wanted the people to know that, okay, these things I've been talking about, these are not ideas. This is just not knowledge. These aren't just opinions. This is actually a path that you're going on. And anytime I think of a path, I think of a journey, and I think of direction. And I've shared with you before that I'm probably one of the most worst people when it comes to a sense of direction. I could be at the beach... And people say, go west, and I have no idea where that is. And we're on the west coast, and that can get me into trouble. And what I find is, along the way, uh, I trust different things. I trust the people in my car that they know better than I, and most of the time, that is. Yesterday, I got lost, and I turned to get to, like, a side street and ended up going on the freeway. That was the only way. And my kids just said, I I wish, I wish Mommy was with us. Thanks for that, kids. Thanks for that. But, you know, people can help you when you're, you're lost. You need direction in your car. Sometimes we don't want it, but sometimes it's there. Or you can have the GPS, you know, the Garmin's, and then we all got cell phones with maps and no one needs Garmin's anymore. And, and you have your map, and you may have a sense of direction, and your map tells you one thing on your Garmin, and your sense of direction tells you another. Well, because I don't have a sense of direction, I trust my GPS system Perfectly. The problem is it's not perfect. It actually wants you to still use your mind. But like that doesn't make sense to me because I don't know where that will take me. And so it's very stressful. And journeys when you're not sure where you're going, they're, they're, they're stressful. You're not sure exactly the direction. You may know the end point, but you're not sure of the turns and the way to get there. And as Jesus had been talking to his people, he's basically saying like, you guys have a sense of this journey of where you're headed? of where you're going, but you may not know really the ins and outs. You may not actually know how to begin the journey. You may not actually know how to get there. And so he, he came to really say, here's, here's the path. And it's through me. Jesus said, Here, here's the path, and it's, and it's through me. And as I close out my teaching, as I share all these things, and as I 
I'm going to leave you and you're going to leave this mountain. You're going to go back to your homes. You're going to go back to your families. You're going to go back to your jobs. I want you to get these things. So he wasn't just telling his disciples in the, the midst of the multitude. He wanted them to get this is how you continue and stay on the journey. And so I'm today going to be talking about the sense of the expectations that Jesus set, the warnings and how to recognize the people that are actually followers of Christ. And so these, these passages are actually, Jesus just, he hits it hard. He's not candy coating any, anything. He's saying, this is, this is the way to follow me. This is the journey. And here's all the distractions that can take place. So I want to kind of highlight three things that he closes out his Sermon on the Mount to provide clarity for us today. And so he starts off by saying, you should expect to be in the minority. If you follow after me, don't expect to be in the wave of popular culture, in the wave of the crowds. You're going to be in the minority. And there's many things that Jesus said in this sermon, which is what I call an insmallment campaign. If he was really thinking of how do I make sure that I have as many people as possible, how do I make sure that I get crowds and crowds and crowds and crowds and crowds of people, there are certain things that he would say to do that. You see, that wasn't Jesus' goal. Jesus' goal is that people would actually know the cost of following him. It's the same goal he has for us today. What is the cost of following him? I'm sure the people wanted to hear, if you follow me, your life will never have any more problems. And people were like, I'm in. That sounds great. Or you're never going to worry about your finances. I'm in. That sounds great. But instead of making this just, this, everyone can just be happy and experience the love and life that you've always wanted. He says, you know what? You're actually going to be in the small crowd. You're going to be in the minority. And this is what he says. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Here's where this just kind of hits you and challenges you. Notice that the way that leads to destruction, it's easy. It's easy. But the way that leads to life is hard. And here's what Jesus addresses the people with. You want life, but you also want it easy. Jesus is saying you, you can't have it both ways. You can't have life and have it easy. If you want life, it actually is going to come by a narrow, harder way. So at this point, the people were like, okay, I love all the values that you've been saying. I love the characteristics. I love all these attitudes that you say we should have. And you've been talking about character. And I love that you've been giving us a sense of this kingdom, which is greater than us. But wait a second. I have to choose the hard way? And that leads to life? But I want the easy way that leads to life. I want the easy way that, that makes me happy. Just saying it, it, does, it doesn't exist. And so when Jesus is saying there's this narrow path that's hard, that's difficult, but in it you find life, he's describing a few things. First, he's describing there's a humility that Christ's followers have that you actually don't exist to promote yourself. You don't exist to promote the work of your hands there's something greater that you're a part of. 
That's the hard way. Because everything in us wants to promote ourselves. Everything in us wants us to produce something and say, look, look at what I did. This is awesome. But the Christ follower is somebody that says, I'm going to be diligent and I'm going to work with my hands. I'm going to do as best as I can in all that I do, whether that's in my family, whether that's in my finances, whether that's at my job. But ultimately, I'm not building my own kingdom. I'm building God's kingdom. And so there's a humility there. Uh, there's also a willingness to identify with Christ. So he's saying, you're, you're in the minority if you follow after me. That means there's going to be crowds and crowds and crowds of people that are not. I don't know about you, but I tend to like to go where the crowds are going. Have you ever been somewhere, again, and you're lost, and you're trying to find where to go? Don't you say, follow the crowds, right? That's what I do. They're going, you're thinking, oh, I've got to go there, that's where they're going. That's where they're going. I've got to follow them. They know where to go. And Jesus is saying, if you follow the crowds, and that is the GPS system that you direct your life by, by what's popular, you're, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the way. And so the minority, they're, they're willing to identify with Christ. They're willing to say, you know, Jesus has drawn the line in the life, in my life. And that means I need to do certain things and not do certain things. And that's not always popular. Because there's a part of us that want to be in the crowd, that want to be in the majority. She's saying, the hard way, it's narrow. Another characteristic is just an agenda to build, again, God's kingdom, not, not our own. Now we can read this, and in a sense you say, wow, that, that is kind of just this tough word. But could you imagine, they've been hanging in with Jesus for a long time, listening to all this stuff. They've been hanging in there, hanging in there, and all of a sudden he just, this may seem like the best thing you've ever experienced, and you can't wait, but it's going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you the things that you really want. I'll take care of you, but you're not going to be able to build your own kingdom and build mine. It's going to cost you. So you get the sense that the people that have been hanging in there and listening to all these things, couldn't you have just said that on the front end? Right? I've been sitting here. Now you're saying that I have to go away from what's popular? I have to go away from the crowds that are moving in a certain direction? What Jesus did is instead, he said, this is the difference the kingdom is. This is what you can experience. But to enter into it, it's going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you your will. It's going to cost you your priorities. But in it, although it's hard, it leads to life. This is like a lighthearted talk, right? This is like a sledgehammer. You're like, whoa, whoa. Why death, narrow, life? What? Just hits you like, whoa. And Jesus, this is, this is it. This isn't about whatever makes you happy. It's not about be good to people, they'll be good to you. He's giving them a sense of, this, this is about... My way. This is the path you're on. You're going to be in the minority. The second thing, and he goes on, you should be on your guard against false teachers. This is really interesting because Jesus had been describing what it means to follow 
in God's kingdom. And he'd been describing what it means to follow him. And he decided and explained and been just taking the disciples again and again through this is what it means. This is what it means. This is not what it means. This is what it means. Clarifying again and again and again and again. But he goes on and he gives them a warning. And this is what he says. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. What Jesus is saying is if you actually follow after Jesus Christ, your life will be changed. When I first began my relationship with Jesus, the thing that just kept on the forefront of my mind is I did want change. I wanted something different. Why choose Jesus if I don't want something different? If I just want my own reflexes, my own priorities, my own opinions, I have that. I'm here. But I wanted something different. And when I chose Jesus, and I began to live his way, there was a seed that was planted in my life. And that's a seed of commitment. A seed of following him. A seed of saying, you know what, I don't want to call the shots anymore in my life. And Jesus is trying to describe this to them. Again, it's not ideas. It's not teaching. It's really a commitment to follow him. He's saying you need to beware of false prophets. And you think it's kind of crazy after all that he'd clarified, why would he need to give them a warning? And he goes on to say, the reason is, is because they look like sheep. That's an analogy of like the shepherd God leads his sheep, the church. And you want to be with all the sheep and the sheep want to gather together and be where the other sheep are. And he's saying, but beware, there's sheep that are actually not sheep. They're wolves that will kill you. Again, just another light-hearted advice from Jesus. They're ravenous wolves. Ravenous. Destruction. Not good. They're going to take you out. So he wanted his followers to know, there's sheep here, but not everyone is sheep. They may have ideas that are similar to what I've said. They may have values and priorities that kind of represent what I've been talking about. But if you really want to know if they represent me and my kingdom, Jesus says, what do you look at? You look at the fruit. You look at the fruit. Again, because what is planted in the ground produces something, either good or bad. And as he's talking to all these people that are listening and even his own followers, saying you have to decide which seed you were going to plant in the ground of your life. And that depends on the kind of fruit that you want. Now, my wife has sent me to the store many times to get fruit. When I noticed there's two different types of people that go into the fruit department of a grocery store. There's people that know fruit and there's people that have no idea of what ripe fruit is. I am the latter. 
But the thing is, I get sucked into this kind of this process that everyone does when they go in the fruit department. And they start getting tomatoes and they start grabbing them and squeezing them and studying them. And I go in there like, like they're different. Like I know, like don't get it with like the hole with the worm out. I know that. But like they're different. And, you know, every time I go to the grocery store, I, I always talk. I target that person that just looks like they know what they're doing. I mean, they're holding the fruit up. They've got the thing. They've got like the, the weight test, the pressure test. The taste, no, just kidding. Don't try it before you buy it, people. But they, they, know, they know what they're doing. They're, they know how to identify the good fruit. And I get in there, and a lot of times I, ha- I have no idea. So I ask people, how do you know? Like, how do you know that avocado is good? How do you know that tomato is good? How do you know it's ripe? And it, you have to study it. You have to know the feel of it, the taste of it, what it looks like. And that's how you know. And Jesus is saying the same thing. There's many people that are going to claim that they know what the kingdom is. They're going to claim that they know what life's all about. They're going to claim they know the meaning of everything. And it may echo some of the things that I've been explaining to you, some of the things that I've talked about in this kingdom. But when it comes down to it, it's the fruit that allows you to know what kind of seed was it. Was it a kingdom seed for people that were followers of Christ? Or was it a different kind of seed that represented a different life, a different kingdom? You have to recognize it by the fruit. The good news is Jesus came to show that it's not by the fruit that you're saved. But when you are saved and you actually do commit your life to Christ, real fruit grows. And it's different. And it's not thorns. And it's not thistles. It's real fruit. Jesus is saying, you, you will know by the fruit. And that's what he says in Matthew 7. Again, how do we not get led astray? You will recognize them by their fruits. Don't get led astray. Now, a false teacher or a false prophet is really anyone that is claiming to have the knowledge of God, but it, it actually doesn't represent biblical truth. And you can see that again and again in our culture. People that represent Knowing what God wants for you, but it actually doesn't echo what God has told us in the scriptures. And so the biggest way or the greatest way we can know what is of God and what's not is to know the Bible. And so if you've been investigating Christianity and kind of what the kingdom is, if you've actually not been reading the Bible, it's going to be very difficult for you to know. Because it's when you read the Bible that it actually comes alive. The picture is completed. The gaps are filled in. You can look at the lives of people, and that, again, fills in more of the picture. But knowing the Bible is, is knowing what God is all about. We can't know everything, but you know enough to, can I follow him? Can I actually follow in this kingdom that he's inviting me to join him in? And so there's this warning. You, you, you've got to beware. And you've got to make sure that you're focusing on growing the right fruit in your own life. This comes from spending time in God's word. This comes from being around people that are trying to do the same thing. There's a sense of people are going to try to take you off this path. This journey, this kingdom way that I'm describing, there are going to be people that are going to try to take you off the path. Jesus saying you've got to beware. 
You can't be alone. You can't kind of try to do this by yourself. You can't try to do it on your own strength. You have to partner with the other people that by the narrow way they're going shoulder to shoulder towards God and His values and priorities. So you'll recognize them by their fruits. And then he goes on to say even more and clarify even more. And this is one of those scriptures that I heard when I was a young kid and it just kind of like rocked my world. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Another line is drawn. There's going to be many that claim to follow after God, to know Him. And on the day when He wraps up this earth and we face the judgment, and God decides who comes with me into eternity and who does not, there's going to be many that think they were supposed to that will not. There's, just, there's, a, there's this fear that He puts, Jesus. He's saying that there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of things that people don't understand about this narrow way. And he describes how the people can distinguish between being known and not being known. And it's found in the last part. And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. So what God's talking about, the way of his kingdom is actually knowing God. Knowing him. So as you commit to follow him, you actually make a one-time commitment to follow after him. Saying, you know, I want you to call the shots in my life. I don't want to go about this my own way anymore. And then you make commitments every day thereafter. When you wake up in the morning, you decide, God, I, I really do want to live for myself in certain areas. And I really do want things my own way. But today I, I want to surrender to you. And I want to please you above pleasing myself. I want to please you above pleasing my family. I want to please you about pleasing my balance in my check. But whatever it is that priorities just get us, it's saying this is a commitment. There's this commitment that you make to follow after Jesus one time, and then you make it thereafter for the rest of your life. And if you look at the front image on your program, if everyone could just look at the front. So this whole time, Jesus has been describing the way of the kingdom. And as you can see in the image, there's this upside down. You see the sky is the floor, the floor is the sky. Is that right? Did I say that right? Yeah. It was so backwards, I couldn't even say it right. He's describing this, this picture is completely different. And he's saying, you know, many of you have been looking through the doorway. What he's calling for people to do is step through. Step through into the reality of the upside-down kingdom, where you will be the minority. You have to be aware of people that are going to try to take you out. But ultimately, I will take care of you. What he's saying is there's people that are on the outside deciding whether they're going to step through. There's maybe people that are with one leg in, one leg out. And there's people that have stepped through and they're in the kingdom. What Jesus is saying is you have to move 
beyond the morality of who Jesus is, beyond the ideas, and you actually have to decide, I'm going to take this at what Jesus said. I'm going to bank my life that his way is the best way. I'm not going to go any other way. I'm not going to value any other thing above him. His way is the best way. I'm going to step into this kingdom that he'd been describing. The reason that's so important is because when this wraps up and our life is done, Jesus is saying everyone should know where they will go. And there's just this fear for the person that thinks they knew God but actually didn't. It really comes by a commitment that you make to follow Jesus. And if you've never decided to follow Jesus, today, just like he did then, he invites you to step through the doorway. Enter into this kingdom that he'd been describing. And that knowing is not, do you know about him? or What do you learn about him? Or do you know a lot of people that know him? It's really, have you committed to him yourself? And that's what he's describing. Have you committed to him yourself? And the bottom line is, knowing him means doing his will. That's what it means. Knowing him means doing his will. That's what he says in verse 21. They are the ones that do the will of the Father. Again, you see it by the fruit. The fruit of obedience. The fruit of actually banking on what Jesus said is true. And so he's described this narrow way. And he's described in the narrow way people that want to prevent you from going the narrow way and people that want to take you off the path to distract you. And on this journey you're on, it's not going to be easy. And he's been describing this to the people. And he decides to end with a lighter note. You can imagine the people, just like you today, thinking, where's like the cherry on top of the Sunday, people? When does this get better? And despite the fact that you're going to be in the minority if you follow Jesus, and despite the fact that you have to beware of the ravenous wolves that want to take you out, he says you will have a solid foundation. You will be able to build on a foundation that will not crumble. Why? Because it is built on God and the kingdom that he wants to build in you, and wants to grow through you from your life. And this is what he said. Verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. What I like about this passage is that it really describes life that everyone experiences. We all experience the rain and the wind and the storms, every single one of us. Just like in this passage, the wise and the foolish. The ones who obey and the ones that don't. We all experience it. It's not all sunshine. And we know that. We've lived life.
Jesus is saying, despite the storms that you'll face, and the person next to you face, and the person next to them will face, and your kids will face, and their kids will face, I actually are providing a way that cannot be destroyed by the storms that you face. I'm providing a way that cannot be derailed by any other power. I'm providing a way that actually allows you to build on something that will last into eternity. That's why the narrow way leads to life. Because the path you're on cannot be destroyed. So, it's here for us today in the same way. After all the things that we've heard about Jesus and his teaching about what's really important, it really comes down to, is this true and is it real? Is it true and is it real? Is it something that we actually will bank our lives on? The things that he says, will we actually do it? Will we actually live by it? Which we actually choose it in the midst of a multitude of choices. You know, the things that he said a couple thousand years ago is the same today. When I look at the majority and the minority, the majority is not going towards the kingdom of God. They're going really their own kingdom, their own pleasure, their own gratification. So it's still narrow, and it always will be. But we have an opportunity to decide which foundation do I want to build my life on. And so I want to encourage you, if you have decided many years ago, or maybe more recently, that you want to follow after Jesus, and you made that decision, and maybe there's storms going on right now, and you're just kind of wondering, how's my foundation? Is this going to break? God is going to take care of you. He's promised that. So my encouragement to you is is hang in there. You may be in a stressful time. You may be in a time where you're overwhelmed. But hang in there. And ask God to bring people alongside you who can help you. If you've not decided to follow Jesus, just like he did then, just like he does now, he's inviting you to walk through the threshold, to enter into the doorway with his kingdom that he had been describing. There's really no other greater time to take him at his word and decide, I'm going to bank my life on the foundation that will not crumble. So I want to invite you today, if you've never made that decision, you can decide today. And then as a church, our duty to you is to help you figure out what that means as you leave here and as you live your life. And so we'd love to do that. So as I wrap up, there's a few next steps related to that. And you could pull out your connection card that Brad had you begin to fill out. And there's just a few next steps that you can take today. The first is you may want to memorize Matthew 7. Just a reminder of the narrow versus the wide way. Uh, You may want to consider the cost of following Christ. Um, What's holding you back? Uh, Is is there anything that just is just there and you, you want to step through, but you can't? A lot of times before you make that commitment, you have to actually consider, am I ready to do it? Am I ready to bank on Jesus and his word? If you are, the third one, for the first time, I want to follow Christ as my Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, if you check that box, we're going to send you some things. 
And in those things, uh, you'll find some resources of what that actually means for your life. And we want you to read through those, but we also want you to get your questions answered. We also want to provide help. So if you check that, we'll provide you some resources, but we also want to help you know what it means to actually follow Jesus Christ. And then the last one, and this is really for all of us, is to resist the pull of following the majority. So if you think about the majority of what people think are important and the values, whether that's related to image, whether it's related to family life, whether it's related to money, anything, resist that pull to just do what the majority is doing. Because it may be easy, but it leads to destruction. So I wanted to encourage you in that. Let's pray together. Then we're going to sing back to God and we're going to receive our offering. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for Jesus' words, which are so timely for us here and now. Uh, In a day and age where it seems like everyone just thinks they can figure it out by themselves and every way is as good as the other way. Uh, But God, here you say your way is the way that leads to life and your way is the difficult way. But in it, uh, we actually can experience escape from destruction of our own choices. And God, we we want to build our lives on the foundation that does not crumble over time, uh, that is not broken up by any other power. And God, we want to build our foundation on you and your way. And so God, I pray that if there's anything that's holding us back from deciding to follow you, that you'll show us what that is and help us, God, to get our, our questions answered. And for those that have decided to follow you, God, that are just filling that pool of the majority, God, will you remind us of your goodness to us? And will you help us to see that when we actually obey you, even though we may not experience it for years and years to come, you will take care of us. And we thank you for being a God that does that. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.